Tom Savage of Three Red Kings. Tom, it was a good start to the Champions Cup for Munster. Uh, Harlequins at Thoman Park on the Sunday evening. We, of course, are travelling down from Croke Park, so we're only kind of listening in on the match. 21-7, when you look at the scoreline, it looks like a convincing win. You know, obviously not a bonus point, which, you know, is, is something you would be kind of looking to hunt at home, especially in the in, in a group with, with, with fewer amount of home games and also in groups where you you know a lot of it is outside of your control with other teams possibly picking up bonus points owing to the structure of the competition so a good win a good result but the nature of this competition this year is that you really have to pick up maximum points as much as you can yeah it's it's one of those strange ones where if you lose at home on your opening day um then the chances of you qualifying are very slim uh it's one of those ones where like you look at Bristol, for example, are really under the gun now. Uh, Montpellier more than likely will lose complete interest in this tournament. It's very strange. Uh, you know, with a six-game pool, a loss at home at the start hurts really bad, but it isn't fatal. Um, so for Munster, winning first and foremost was the the best thing that they could have done with regards to you know, and I suppose that's obvious every year. But you look at you know for this particular year, you could say. Is a lack of a bonus point a killer? I don't know. I think the next two games are going to be the deciders. Um, by that point, I think Harlequins, their interest in the tournament may be ended. Uh, and for Munster, it's going to be two games against Claremont uh, before Christmas and after Christmas. Um, this coming week in the uh, Stade Marcel Michelin is going to be a huge test for Munster. Biggest test, I would say, in and you know, I'd say since last year against Saracens when it comes to you know a, a game that is must perform. They have to get at least a losing bonus point. A win would be fabulous, but they live with a losing bonus point. To come away out of the first two games with five points, will it be enough? They will have to beat uh, Claremont at home, as in that is non-negotiable, and then beat beat Harlequins away. That's their route to a a possible home and away quarterfinal. So it's a tough one. Um, There is no wiggle room from now on. It is must-have a losing bonus point in this game, and then it's two wins from the last two. But the game itself... It's, it, sounds, it sounds ridiculous as well, Tom, that we're talking about a 21-7 home victory in the opening round against a decent Quinn side. And regard, despite a 21-7 win, uh, we're still talking about being in almost last-chance saloon territory from here on out. Well, I, like, I guess that's just that's just peak 2020, isn't it? It is. But it, like, it's, it's, like, it's not last-chance saloon, but you look at the easiest route to the final where you want to have it in your own or the, the quarterfinals rather where you want to have it you know your, your destiny in your own hand must have a point this weekend must have a point a win makes things very very handy coming in obviously they'll have to back that up with a win again against Claremont and Thoman but that might damage Claremont's interest in that fixture make things a little bit easier but it's just a very weird tournament this year you can't deal directly with the teams who are you know going to be who you're competing for you know, places with in this big giant pool we're all in. So it's it's a difficult one, but it's one where I think that, you know, Munster with regards to a test of where the squad is at, they've got a few injuries and a, f- a few, you know, injuries that they picked up in that Harlequins game. But it's a one where I think that this is a, a big tester for the squad against a good Claremont side, but who I think Munster stack up actually quite well with. 
Yeah, go back to the game at the weekend, Tom. What what impressed you about Munster? Uh, you know, we we, we I, I I like the work off the mall and the seppies. I think we 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 ground Quinns down there in particular, uh, which I was, I won't say surprised by, but I I just thought that we were our efficiency in in the line out mall and set piece was was really really where it needed to be, especially in European competition. Hard to get tries, not as much space as you will probably have in Pro 14. So it's all about maximizing those kind of you know visits to the 22. You mightn't have as many of them, but when you get there, you have to make a count. I thought Munster did a pretty good job on that the last day. They were they were pretty good. There was a few line out flubs. Uh, weather conditions played a part. It wasn't exactly the nicest day, but that that seems to be the always the way now in 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 Tolman Park in December. There's always a game where weather conditions are incredibly difficult you look at um the way Munster handled that first half playing into the wind hand they, they hung on to the ball well they, they didn't spread the ball too wide again they were wary of greasy conditions blustery wind it was lashing rain at times as well they kind of had to play a lot of ball in hand and what and what they did do i thought was very good uh they had some nice forward interplay uh got over the game line quite well set piece was good um they had a few errors though you know you look at that uh penalty kick dead by Hanrahan in the 20th minute. That set off an entire 12 minutes of um, of Harlequins basically being in control of the game. It's one of those things where a small moment combined with another error you know, on the very next play leads to something else. Um, that control of the middle third of the field is hugely important. And Munster gave up that control in, in that moment and Harlequins played with the impetus for the next 12 minutes Munster were able to resist them by the skid of their teeth two missed uh, Harlequins uh, penalties one disallowed try for a forward pass you look at the way Munster responded then I thought it was quite good um, second half I think was influenced by the lack of a of a decisive try in the first half I think that kind of put the uh, bonus point where you really had to start well in that third quarter to get that bonus point, but I think Munster missed out like they didn't control that opening. Yeah, uh, I suppose the one disappointing thing is we we didn't really put ourselves in the frame for to be you know you you want to have kind of you want to have two tries racked up by by the 60th minute. You want to be yeah, going into the final yeah. 20 trying to you know maybe get two good field positions, score off a lineout, score off a mall, score off that sort of set play where it's a bit easier than trying to you know conjure you know, bonus point tries out, out of nowhere. And I, t- I think we just we just left ourselves under the pump and under a bit of pressure to try and do that. I mean, it, it, if you look at any of the typical European games where Munster get bonus points, especially in the big ones at home, you know, we usually have one, if not two tries racked up by half time, And then you're kind of plotting your way methodically through the next 40 minutes to see where you're going to pick up the, the other two. We just left ourselves a bit too much work to do in that second half, despite, you know, plenty of positives. Yeah, like it, it's one of those things where, like, you look at Harlequins are a well-coached side, and there's there's no mugs involved coaching these guys. Uh, they were going to try and hang on to the ball as much as they could in that second half. They were down players for the guts of of of, of thirty minutes, and when teams are like that, they're not going to kick the ball back to you. They're going to try to hang on to possession as much as possible, cheese the clock as if if they can, and they did that quite well. You, when you combine the fact they were playing into the wind, Munster had to work hard to get the ball back and. Then Munster's minutes in possession became quite expensive. So when it came down to you know maybe you, you score a try in that opening ten minutes in period of the of the the second half, maybe then you're on for you know for for you know hunting after a bonus point. But I think Munster didn't control that opening uh, third of the game very well. Uh, sorry, the opening uh, uh, the, the the third quarter of the game, they didn't control it very well, and they were kind of playing a little bit reactively. 
And from there, you know, I, I think Munster 100% improved in the last quarter. I, I think they really drove it on there. Um, they, they left a few opportunities out there, even in that time, that could have led to, you know, chasing for a, a bonus point in the last, you know, five or ten minutes. But I think I think they'll be happy enough overall. Some aspects of the performance will be quite disappointing. They'll be very disappointed to lose Ben Healy for an indeterminate number of weeks after he was, let's let's you know call a spade a spade. Like they went flying after him, trying to take him out of the game. You know, two late shots. That kind of work wasn't there in the opening half when you know when Munster had a fair bit of possession. So they were looking to go after Ben Healy. They were looking to try and get him out of the game. But every time they they, they, they targeted him or targeted Casey, Healy punished them. He landed a what, 55-meter penalty, uh, just banged the ball over. You look at the Casey taken out in the air by Marcus Smith. He just launched that ball into the corner. Munster scored a try uh, a few minutes later. But it's a shame to see him. He's waiting for an MRI and a shoulder injury. They're not sure how long he's going to be out generally. When you see a fellow going for an MRI, it's not the best thing. You know, it's like we're, you know, hard to say what it could be really but either way he won't be he won't be featuring this weekend which is incredibly disappointing for him i think he's been an outstanding feature of Munster's season so far and uh you know there's a lot of speculation around him at the moment as well but it's just one of those things that um when you see players getting targeted like that for off the ball stuff look it's part of the game but when it's when it's a young player like that it doesn't make it any more sore when he has to miss you know uh, a game against Claremont, possibly the home Interpro against um, against Leinster. These are all moments that you know will be uh, missed. Where where Ben Healy could have you know continued to add to the fantastic start to the season he had. What's the what exactly is the injury diagnosis with with Ben Healy? Are the are the it's a shoulder injury? Um, they have to go for an MRI yet to under you know to look at the severity of it. But Munster were fuming after the game. Jo- Johan van Hraun was furious about the way that uh, he was targeted by uh, Alex Dombrandt and by Joe Marler. I think Joe Marler could have possibly seen a yellow card as well. Um, Quinn's discipline just let them down. I think they were looking to be physical. I think there's this idea that if you start getting very, very physical with Munster, that they'll start to you know pull back a little bit. Didn't seem to work in this one. Uh, certainly didn't make Ben Healy back down from landing crucial moments. But uh, yeah, I, I think that, that I, I think Munster overall... They'll be happy enough with how they performed. Um, but this weekend will be the big test. Yeah, there's also, if, if you look at the at the, at the way those pool are structured, um, obviously it's Munster, Harlequins and Claremont. Claremont played Bristol this weekend. But who's Munster's game, uh, the game that they have outside of that group? They do have another fixture, don't they? No, it's only the, they only have two. They have um, Claremont, home and away, Harlequins, home and away. That's the four games. If they qualify for the top four, they'll go into a home quarter. Or they'll go into a home and away quarter final. That'll be the like the the home and away part is the extra part of the of the um of oh, the okay. of, of the okay. campaign. Okay, yeah, it's just yeah. When you when you see Claremont winning at the weekend, you're wondering how 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 that comes into play for Munster's group, but it it actually doesn't. Okay, um, Tom, we saw also the draw for. Uh, Munster, or sorry, for Ireland's World Cup prospects uh, in 2023, and you know, I, I put it to you that that uh, that um, 
bar that we've set of getting beyond the quarter final looks uh, as far away now as it ever did um our reward for beating scotland and even finishing second in that pool would most likely be uh, a game against new zealand in the quarter final if uh, if uh, if it's uh, if we were to beat south africa and win the group depending on how it went in the other it, it could be france so um two huge pool games to entertain and then the possibility of, of France and New, or New Zealand in a quarter final considering the kind of curve or the trajectory that the Irish national team is on at the moment um I wouldn't be putting the house on Ireland going beyond the quarter final at right now yeah just 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 the current world champions in the pool um you know you look at at, at, at Scotland Ireland have beaten them consistently doesn't mean it's going to continue to go you know, to, to, to continue to be that way into the future. But, you know, I think we could have quite a similar uh, pool to the last World Cup. When you look at the European and other teams that could be added, it could be Russia, it could be Samoa in there again. Um, it, which, you know, which again is a bit of a lack of variety, but at least there won't be too much in the way of surprises. That game against the Springboks is going to be very difficult. When you look at Ireland, uh, they've arranged a, a three-test tour of New Zealand in 2022 that's going to be a big marker as to where Ireland are. Uh, and I think that, you know, you look at with, with the World Cup pool now and everybody's pool being being drawn, it kind of puts into focus where Ireland need to get to to get back to a level where they can be considered even dark horses for this tournament coming up, you know, because I think, you know, Ireland want to win a World Cup. To get beyond a quarter final just is fine. But if you go on and lose a semi-final, you know, there, there's not much joy in that either. You know, like you said there, France, New Zealand, two incredibly difficult teams. Already you can see France are going to be just an absolute nightmare to deal with over the next number of years. New Zealand, you know, they're, they're, they're always good. But again, you look at how France are developing in particular. If France can get the last two uh, great under-20 teams that they had together, working with the talent they already have there, they're going to be just so difficult to deal with. They're going to be... Uh, a world power in a way that France haven't been for a number of years. Um, New Zealand, again, I think are going through a small bit of transition themselves. But again, that's going to be an incredibly diff- a difficult game. Never mind the Springboks, who have a few players, I think, that they will have to replace by the time that comes around. They, again, will be building in new structures You know that, that they're going to look to try and develop as well. By that stage, we could be looking at a Pro 16. So maybe Ireland will have uh, a little bit more experience of dealing with that Springbok talent in a way that maybe we don't know. But again, up until very recently, Ireland were beating the Springboks. Whether we can get back to that level again, I think depends on how well we utilize some of the young talent that's coming through. There's lots of talent there. Over the course of the last number of under 20 years, there's been you know, under 20 Grand Slams. I think Ireland would have won another Grand Slam this year. Uh, how they would have gone in the under-20 World Championship always seems to depend on injury. But, you know, you look at the talent that's there that's coming up in the provinces, those guys, I think, need to be utilised into test level very quickly and to see what they're about because, you know, I, I think that for Ireland to get from where we are at the moment to where we want to be, there's got to be a lot of new faces come in and and to show what they've got at test level. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I just... It, it does, I suppose, put a, an, an added pressure on not just this Six Nations, but the, the next kind of cycle to see how many of these Irish players we can, you know, bring in and get up to speed by the time 2023 comes around. Like there is there is quite a few positions that will need changing and that we'll have to see, 
guys step up in the next couple of years so you know it's 2023 sounds like a long time away but you know in in rugby terms it's 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 actually not it, it really isn't like i mean you look at not, not um, when you not where you consider the age profile of some of our big players that you know i i would question whether let's say a replacement for johnny sexton for example is the one that's kind of staring everybody in the face like Ideally, if you want to get somebody up to standard and up to speed for 2023, if you're going to go with it with it, with one of the younger guns, you know, then you have a big decision to make for this year's Six Nations. And we all know how important the Six Nations is to the IRFU from a point of view of funds, of money, of gates, of all that goes with it. Um, it's it's um, it's not an easy one to 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 get your head around. It's complex, and there's a lot of complex decisions that have to be made at the moment. Um, I think from the IRFU's perspective, you know, I think they've documented very clearly the financial challenges that they've had this year. They will want to get their financial reserves back to a decent place to make sure that they are, you know, solvent going forward and, and to have that 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 solidity. They've got, a, you know, some increases in income this year with the Pro 14. Uh, there's... A sale and that with the CVC, uh, they've got some money in from that. Um, there's also some talk of the Six Nations, but either way, the RFU are going to be looking after the pennies here, and like that means that there's some difficult decisions to make. There's guys who are at the moment who are on very high grade contracts who are they were signed at the peak of the financial arms race, I suppose that's been going on over the last number of years. Now you would think that there's a correction that's going to have to happen there at some point. <clears throat> Sorry, but everybody like everybody is kind of holding their breath because the correction has to happen at some point. You already see it up, up in Glasgow Warriors at the moment where Adam Hastings has turned down a new contract there. He will be joining Gloucester next season. So that looks like it's a bit of a restructuring. I'd look at a guy like Hamish Watson as another fella who they'll be looking at and kind of going, well, he'll be looking for a certain amount of money. Maybe we can't offer him that anymore. The, 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 the Scottish Rugby Union will be, will be thinking this. The IRFU are kind of in a similar boat. Uh, wouldn't say that the financial constraints are as tight as what they would be in Scotland. But you look at you know, the, the guys who, uh, who the IRFU have up for contract renewal this year. Tyke Furlong, CJ Stander, uh, Peter O'Mahony, Johnny Sexton, uh, Ian Henderson is another one as well, I think, who, who's coming up. They are all big players who are on big money, signed on, you know, I think CJ and Peter Romani are coming to the last leg of a three-year deal they signed. Um, back when all those rumours about Montpellier were swirling and all the rumours about all these other clubs. It's a different landscape now. And you look at, I suppose, what would make financial sense for the IRFU would be that maybe you don't keep all those top-tier players. Maybe you get rid of some of the guys who might be considered... Not necessarily certain starters for the provinces, but you would say you would call them senior players, guys who might not be in the Irish bubble. They're fellas that you might look at as being, well, those guys, maybe we can make some savings there and then invest in that under 20 um, core that's been coming up over the last two or three seasons. Your Ryan Bairds, your John Hodnets, your Gavin Coombs, your Craig Casey's, your Ben Healy's, your Jack Crowley's, your Harry Burns, your Scott Penny's, all these guys. It makes so it makes a lot of sense for the IRFU to kind of put their focus on that and to have that be their you know be be a way where they can reduce outgoings and maximize the talent that's coming up there. I think David Nusifor was speaking recently and he just kept on mentioning under twenty talent, young talent, young talent, and that seemed to me to be setting the table for well, we won't be able to keep a lot of these top guys who are on big money 
and it's you know it's it's a very difficult one. I think the the big question I think is uh, the the question at ten. Johnny Sexton will be one of the best paid players in the country by a by a mile. He's also one of the older fellas in the Irish squad. I think he's actually probably the oldest Irish squad member at the moment. Also the Irish captain, also Leinster captain. You look at that question and you go, you've got Harry Byrne, who looks like a fabulous young player. You look at him, you look at Ross Byrne, who's at Leinster as well, and go, well, look, Ross Byrne didn't really have, a, you know, he didn't really have a fantastic showing, I think, over the last number of international games. You look at that and go, if Johnny Sexton stays on for, because he, th- he says he's going to play until the next World Cup, <clears throat> you look at the decision there and go, well, like, do you re-sign him? And if you re-sign him, knowing that he's Johnny Sexton, like this isn't the guy, Johnny Sexton's not a fellow who's going to be letting anybody take over his role as the, the main man for Ireland without a fight. So you look at, 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 at that aspect of it and go, is that the best thing for Harry Byrne? Is that the best thing for Ben Healy? The big question at the moment is Glasgow have huge interest in Ben Healy. They're looking at him because they know Adam Hastings is going now. So they're going to make Ben Healy more of a focus for them. So the question for Ben Healy is, do I see myself as being the starting guy for Munster? Are Munster ready to offer me that? Are the IRFU going to give me a path to test level? Because Scotland seemed to be trying offering the farm on him. But for, if I was Ben Healy, I'd be looking at that and thinking, well, Adam Hastings is 24 years of age. He's got 22 Scottish caps right now. Yet he doesn't think that Glasgow are the best thing for him going forward. So why should it be for Ben Healy? Yeah. That, that would be what I'm thinking. But you look at the questions that are around that 10 jersey for Ireland. You know, because again, 10 is so important. If you're going to say to, to Johnny Sexton and sign him on a new two-year deal, or like that would take him up to, you know, maybe the after the World Cup in 2023. I'll put it you this way, Tom. If, if you were dropped down of outer sp- from outer space and you had your... You, you had no red tinted glasses on and somebody showed you the potential out halves to succeed as uh, succeed Johnny Sexton at the moment. Who would be the guy that you'd be putting the money on? Well, there's two things I'd look at. Short term and long term, I suppose. Cause yeah, I, I would look at what Harry Byrne has done at Leinster and how he was fancied another 20 level and look at that and go, okay, big talent in that young guy. They rate him very highly, higher than Ross. But I also look at Ben Healy, a guy who seems to have grasped every chance that's come his way, has made big pressure kicks in big moments. It's not all about kicking, but I see a guy there who's got, looks like he's got quite a complete game. Um, so again, you'd look down and you, you you would say, Harry Byrne has the under 20 caliber, you would say. He was the guy who they tended to fancy at under 20 level. You'd imagine that he'll be at least given that chance. But I would say that if Ben Healy takes over in the next season, like including this year, as Munster's number 10, he will, if Johnny Sexton is retained for two years, will be playing more big games than Harry Byrne. So there will be more of a body of work there for Ben Healy. And again, we don't know what's going to happen with Joey Carberry. You know, we we don't know what's going to happen there. So all of a sudden then you've got a situation where now you're making difficult decisions because it's not just about Johnny Sexton for Ireland and Leinster. It also affects Harry Byrne's progression. And now, yes, he will get plenty of pro 14 minutes, but I think pro 14 minutes have to be kept like, like they have to be kept in context as well with the opposition that you're generally going to be seeing, but also whether we're going to be in a pro 16, what happens there? It's all set up. Squad sizes, I think are going to get smaller, which means that everybody's going to have to make difficult decisions. Who are we keeping? Who are we? Who can we not keep? 
who is going to be like out of our range. Because I think that the IRFU are going to say to the provinces, you have reduced money now. So you have to make a decision. You, you like it's because you, you look at Leinster, for example, haven't really had to make a whole load of decisions very uh, recently when it comes to which talented player will I keep. They've tended to be able to keep all of them. I think the provinces in general are going to be told very soon, here's your budget. This is what you have to work with. This and no more. And that's it. And I think that there'll be a lot of very difficult decisions made over a lot of guys who are young players, who are squad players, and who are senior players. And that's all coming up. And it's like 10 is just the tip of the iceberg. But it's one of those ones where it's probably the most important part. So I, I like it, again, it'll come down to who is playing the bigger role for their province. And that could mean Ben Healy has a bit of an advantage, assuming he signs a new contract at Munster. Yeah, um, it's never straightforward, is it, Tom? No, it's uh, not. Everything's interlinked. <laughs> um, uh, Tom, I suppose, look, we obviously know that uh, Champions Cup time is a very busy time of the year for you. So, And, of course, it's the lead-up to Christmas. So not only are you going to be hawking some of the coolest T-shirts around, but you're also going to be going uh, hell for leather with the TRK premium content between now and the game at the weekend. Yes, um, I will be looking in depth into uh, ASM Clermont Auvergne this week, um, looking at where I expect them to look to try and get at Munster, where I think Munster can get at them. That's all coming up this week on TRK Premium, which is at patreon.com forward slash TRK Kings for just two euro a month. Uh, plenty of stocking fillers on the website as well, Tom, for anybody, uh, for the discerning monster. And if you want them after Christmas, because <laughs> I am not dealing with the Christmas postal rush this year. So it's one of those things where... Um, little Christmas. Six a little, that, that, that'll, that'll be it. Yeah. We'll arrange something for then. Thanks, Tom. No bother. Uh, are you 